0: hey everyone welcome back to recalibrate a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new i appreciate you connecting every week to listen to learn and to grow if you've enjoyed the previous series on boundaries would you take the time to give us a five-star rating and leave a positive review so that others can find us and connect as you have in advance i thank you for that Today we start a three-part series on self-worth. It's called The Boy That Saw a Dead Dog in the Mirror. I grew up as the middle child. Yes, I was the sandwich. (laughs) My brother's four years older than me and my sister's four years younger. My father was a corporate executive and my mother was a stay-at-home mom. See, I'm blessed to still have them in my life. They're both in their late 70s and they continue to shower me with words of encouragement, wise counsel, and a loving and very sweet embrace every time we visit. I can't say that I grew up in a dysfunctional home or that I experienced put-downs from my father and my mother. I have the fondest of memories of my childhood years. I can tell you for sure that I can't even recall them ever fighting. Now let me make this clear. I'm not trying to sound like I grew up in a perfect home. There are none. I grew up in a home where respect, care, and love for one another was fostered as best as possible, and whenever there was an issue, it was dealt with accordingly. I am a father to two wonderful young men and a grandparent of a courageous five-year-old and a precious little three-year-old princess. Emulating what I have learned from my parents has always been my goal. You've probably heard people say, I'm never going to be like my father or my mother, well, for me, being like them has always been the goal because my experience was such a positive one. As a psychologist, I have invested about 15 years coaching individuals to overcome feelings of low self-worth, finding the root of their mental constructs, is one of the first steps to breaking free from the thought patterns that have kept them trapped in a very unhealthy mindset. You see, it's a process of basically unlearning and relearning a new reality about who they are. Let me say that again. It is a process. (laughs) It doesn't happen from one day to the next. It is a process of unlearning and relearning a new reality about who they are. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions for you to reflect on. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you like what you see? Think about it. And on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love yourself? Let me say this. The issues that you are dealing with today in your relationships Although you might blame everything on the other person, that other person being your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, your parents, the truth of the matter is that the issue has been deep rooted in you during your most formative years. Just watch your reaction when you are frustrated, upset, or sad. Your tendency is to react like that child that you were at the time that you were hurt the most. If you suffered some kind of abuse at age nine, for instance, well, then now as an adult, when you experience various negative emotions, you have this this tendency to act out like a nine-year-old. You might scream, punch, pull hair, throw tantrums, isolate yourself, stonewall, spew hateful words, or even become aggressive. Once again... These are learnt behaviors that you have acquired growing up as a child. This does not define you, and this doesn't have to be your reality for the rest of your life. Listen to the next two episodes and find out ways on how to break free from this normal and create a new normal. See, interesting enough, Solomon wrote, train up a child in the way that he should go, so that when he's older, he won't depart from it. That's Proverbs 22.6. Now notice this. He states, train up a child, <laughs> not an adolescent, not a teenager, not an adult, a child. You see, the mind of a child, especially during the first seven years of life, is in its most receptive, pliable, and impressionable of all states. I recall meeting with a client many years ago, she was in her 40s and she struggled with issues of self-worth. She mentioned to me that she was able to see how her father had shaped her reality and she'd made her believe that she had no value, no worth. The woman said to me, I never remember sitting on my father's lap and him whispering that he loved me. In fact, he hardly ever spoke to me or showed interest in me. At dinnertime, he would say, children, children are to be seen and not to be heard. I was instructed never to speak unless I had something interesting to say, and of course, we all knew he just wasn't interested in us. She described how her father's verbal and physical abuse toward her mother wounded her spirit. She described it as daggers penetrating her marrow. The put-downs, she said, were painful accusations that pierced right through my heart because my mother was such a kind, loving, and caring woman. The injustice was heartbreaking. He was so destructive. She recalled walking back from high school one day thinking, Perhaps I have focused all these years on his shortcomings, on how negative he is. What if I just love on him and show more interest in him? Perhaps, perhaps that will touch his heart. You guys know the proverbial kill them with kindness metaphor? Some of you've probably practiced it. You've heard it over and over. Well, with that thought in her mind, she positioned herself close to the door, standing in the hallway waiting for him to come in at 5.45 p.m. as he did every day. With a great big smile, she said, Hi, Dad. How was your day? He exploded. And he yelled in her face, don't you ever ask me that question again. That was a stupid question. As she sat on the couch right across from me, recounting that experience, I could tell. You see, I saw that she, she still carried that shock and the burden of that day. Her countenance, her whole countenance shifted completely. Her body posture shrunk with fear, almost going into a semi-fetal position. That experience had left a mark, a very deep one, a very evident one in her heart and her mind. It was so painful to watch. I had to hold back the tears as I heard her testimony. It was sad, to say the least. And perhaps your story, my friend, is worse than hers. Perhaps one of your parents was abusive toward you growing up, and now you, you have engaged in a relationship with someone who's equally abusive or even worse. Now, what I'm about to say is kind of crazy and unbelievable, but let me tell you, 75% of all people have this tendency to end up in a relationship with someone that is just like their worst parent. Yeah, I know you're probably thinking, okay, let me think about this. Let me think this through. (laughs) Let me think about my spouse or my significant other, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. Is he or she like the worst of my parents? Well, 75% of you will realize that they are. You see, people seem to gravitate towards abusive people because it has become their normal. It is the language that was spoken to them growing up. It is the language that they identify with. It's sad to see, but it happens oftentimes. You see, this woman's experience growing up forged her self-worth. It created in her a skewed perception of who she was, and she did not like it a bit. Her issues with self-worth became so destructive that she struggled in all of her relationships. And for that reason, she sought help. Dr. Lisa Firestone, a clinical psychologist, once said that we all have a critical inner voice which acts somewhat like a cruel coach inside our heads that tells us that we are worthless or undeserving of happiness. This coach is shaped from painful childhood experiences and critical attitudes that we were exposed to early in life as well as the feelings of our parents that they had about themselves. While these attitudes can be hurtful over time, They have become ingrained in us. As adults, we may even fail to see them as an enemy. Instead, we accept them and their destructive point of view. Self-worth is believing that you're fundamentally worthy, which is different to self-esteem, because self-esteem is feeling good or confident about yourself. Let me say this again. I want you to understand the difference. Self-worth is, in a nutshell, believing that you're fundamentally worthy, period. Self-esteem is simply feeling good about yourself or confident in who you are. So there's actually a hierarchy of importance here. In other words, self-worth comes before self-esteem. Self-worth is like the foundation. If self-worth were a tree, it would be like the trunk and the roots and self-esteem would simply be the branches. Without self-worth, self-esteem is shallow and unstable. Now, can you have self-esteem without having self-worth? Absolutely. Look at narcissists. They exude self-esteem or self-confidence so much that it's toxic to other people. But the issue here is that they don't possess self-worth. You see, their narcissism, is a mask or defense mechanism against the tremendous feelings of unworthiness that they carry inside. You see, self-worth is something that we need to learn and to strengthen, for without it, we either become doormats or we become narcissists. We either feel as though we are not worthy of anything at all in life, or we feel entitled as though the world owed us a favor. So you might be asking yourself at this point, if you are struggling with self-worth, well, see if any of the following descriptors sounds like you. Do you struggle to set strong personal boundaries? Now, if you don't know what those are, if you don't know what boundaries are, go back and listen to uh, the first series that I put out on boundaries. Do you suffer from constant self-doubt? Are you cynical about the value of what you do? Do you struggle to believe that anyone could really love you for who you are? Do you have a hard time accepting compliments without feeling embarrassed or skeptical? Do you always put other people's needs before your own? In other words, have you developed the martyr complex? Do you settle for less in relationships and jobs thinking it's the best they can do? Do you always feel a sense of anxiety and tension around others? Are you scared of sharing your authentic self with the world? Do you let others walk all over you and mistreat you? Do you feel like a victim or behave like a beggar? And lastly, do you struggle to speak up and to be assertive about your needs? So, think about those questions. Ask yourself if any of these describe who you are today. So, Why do people develop low self-worth? There are two reasons, two main reasons. Number one, they develop self-worth due to their childhood traumas and core wounds. And number two, to protect themselves against what they fear. In a nutshell, low self-worth is a product of fear and a fundamental misunderstanding about who we are. Let me say that again. Low self-worth is a product of fear and a fundamental misunderstanding about who we are. Notice, it is all deep-rooted in the mind and the heart. The mindset that we have regarding our worth has been ingrained in us through repetition Just like my client whose father repeatedly told her she was worthless, just like that, through repetition, she believed it over time. It became her reality. And therefore, through repetition, we must recreate who we truly are. As a believer, I teach others to remind themselves consistently of who they are in the Lord. I have them make a list of those affirmations that resonate with who they are. And they're not pie-in-the-sky affirmations. They're affirmations that they find in the scriptures. I teach them to say things like, I am a child of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. I am His righteousness, His masterpiece. I am an heir and joint heir with Christ. He knows the plans that He has for me. They're for good and not for evil. They're to give me a hope and a future. He will never leave me nor forsake me for he loves me with an everlasting love. I am his and he is mine. Such heartfelt affirmations have the power, now listen, the power to bring forth true transformation. But this has to be done through repetition. Dr. Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain, reminds us that it takes 21 days to break a habit. And it could be a habit of a certain thought process. But she also reminds us that it takes 63 days to form a new one. In other words, if you think that by repeating these affirmations for a week is going to change your life, well, let me tell you, you're going to be totally and completely discouraged to find out that that's not the truth. You're going to have to be three things here. Now, listen, three things. You're going to have to be intentional, intentional about wanting this change, intentional enough to see yourself becoming a different person, being able to envision this in your heart, envision it with the eyes of your spirit, not necessarily the eyes of your your, your physical eyes. That's seeing with the heart you envision. I want you to be intentional enough to envision yourself becoming that person that you desire to be. That's number one, intentionality. Number two is being disciplined. You've got to be disciplined enough to, to get this started, to write out your affirmations. And number three, you have to be consistent. Consistent enough to go through one week, two weeks, three weeks, 21 days, 40 days, 50 days, 63 days of repetition to reboot, reboot the mind. The first step to breaking free from low self-worth is being able to identify whether or not this is your struggle. Go to the show notes and review the low self-worth descriptors and evaluate yourself. Now, be honest. Keep in mind that you can only work with the truth and not with a lie. So be as honest and transparent as and as vulnerable as possible. In part two, we will dive a little deeper and lay the foundation to help you improve the quality of your life by helping you realize who you truly are. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and leave a positive review. Be blessed, my friends.